Okay, so welcome back to episode four in the order of recording of the Seek of Strength podcast. Woo! We're fresh off our uh, little photo gathering shoot for Teresa Collins today. Yeah. Uh, just for some stock photos for the old Instagram page. It's a lot more fatiguing than you think it would be. Way more fatiguing because we have to do a lot of different exercises. And it make you think CrossFit is kind of hard. Yeah. Doing multiple different exercises in one day. It would also make you think going to kind of almost maximum weights on multiple exercises within 40 minutes Yeah, would be fatiguing as well. Um, I'd imagine it would be useful doing those kind of exercises in your program, <laughs> even if you're not a CrossFitter. All those lunges and stuff? Yeah, l- like, you know, muscle building, hypertrophy. Strange. Yeah. Strange old concept. I certainly won't be doing them anyway. Jesus Christ. Um, actually, no, I have, I've started doing some split squats. They're, uh, they're a devil on the legs. Jesus. That, those banded split squats. lateral walks. Mm-hmm. Um, I would consider those an, um, a kind of a, a typical no. strengthening exercise. They're no, no, they're definitely not in like the accessory exercise category. They're very specific, I'd say. Yeah, like, more like, corrective. Yeah, definitely corrective is, is the category they'd go under. Yeah. I would say... Stuff like weighted, like I think unless you're really pushing the, they don't, they don't really kind of, not that they don't challenge you, but they, they're a little, they're very. If th- you're if you're an already well-rounded athlete, and you don't have any kind of deficits, you probably don't have to be doing them. Yeah, they're they're hyper specific to like, basically one muscle group like your group meets. Yeah, definitely. And they were for a very specific reason for me, specific, not specific, but um, stuff like weighted split squats. Just with heavy kettlebells and stuff, I think at the at the moment, yeah, definitely enjoying those. They're they don't really fatigue anything in particular, but they're hard. You know they I mean? just look very difficult. They are difficult. Like to see you to see you struggle with a split squat. Yeah, it's kind of hilarious when your squat is as big as it is. Uh, I must get those up to something reasonably heavy. Um, I think those kind of things, you know, before before I would have done weightlifting, or even early on in my weightlifting career, I would have thought about. Those things as as uh, kind of fatiguing, or you'd be like, "Jeez, I better not do too many of those now." Yeah. Whereas, like realistically, you can do those ad nauseum. You can do them before and after every session of the week, and they're not going to damage you. Definitely after, like you, yeah. could, you could do those like all you want, really. You essentially do those every day. Yeah. They're just not that fatiguing when when you put them in the context of weightlifting and how fatiguing weightlifting is. No, and they've no kind of neural fatiguing element to them. It's not like a really heavy deadlift or a really high jump. You're not asking your uh, your central nervous system to put a huge amount of load anywhere. No. No. Uh, they're very useful as well. Just under- promotes blood flow mainly. Very underrated uh, stuff as well for weightlifting. Okay, getting back on track. Yeah. So we're Today's back. episode. Today's episode is we're just going to compare. Well, not, not really compare, but we're just going to look at the results of this year's European Championships, last year's European Medicine Championships, and then a very hyper-competitive year, 2016, which would be pre- I suppose the opening pre kind of a lot of issues around that year before I suppose the culture in doping has changed a lot and weightlifting at the moment. Well it's changed a lot and it's changed not at all, I suppose. We've we've um There seems to kind of be this like the same thing that happened in, in cycling where there was the tour of enlightenment where everybody yeah. thought the dawn had broken and yeah. and that things were completely different as they had been in the the years previous but yeah, we're like just going to try and compare and contrast numbers and see if there's any big deficits or 
or any big falls. Like we had, th- we had the um, what we thought was the golden era of doping in the eighties and nineties, seventies, eighties, and some in the nineties too, I suppose, late nineties, where we thought that was the peak of doping and wave thing, and we thought after that it was just kind of this is what it was going to be, and there, there was going to be no change. But I suppose in the last two years, three years, say since twenty sixteen, we've seen some. We kind of we've kind of realized that not realized, but everyone in the know knew what was what. But it seems like we've gone another step in what direction? I don't know. Yeah. I suppose we're looking at what. So what I kind of what I would have, I said what I kind of I don't want to be like I said this was coming, you know. But when they announced the reduction of Olympic spots at the Olympics, so like to reduce the number of total weightlifters that could compete, and they and they said that. Uh, it was from because it, basically it was a penalty from doping. What was going to end up happening? Was well, that it seemed fairly obvious. Like the top would get better at doping, the middle would fall to the bottom, it, it's and not the bottom even, would be gone completely. Yeah, like, but it's it's like the top might not get even get better at doping. They're just going to try harder at doping because yeah. those spots are even more precious now. So you you like they have to they have to dope harder to guarantee their spots. So what's end up happening now? It seems. It's kind of coming definitely this year now. It's definitely become really apparent, or you can see it slowly emerging that we have. We seem to have the upper echelon getting even further out in front. Yeah, they're like even definitely yeah crazy. Like they're so far ahead of everyone, the people who are. And I suppose what what we should have prefaced this was that we're like, I'm not going to say we're not against open because at the end of the day, no matter what angle you come at it from it is cheating and it is very unfair on natural athletes to compete against people who are not doping but neither are we saying that it doesn't happen yeah also and we're not we wouldn't be blaming the athletes who are doping no no it's just part of the sport it's kind of part of the course and it's kind of it's kind of a shit situation for everyone really yeah so like if you we have those the top countries now who are and I suppose everything's just our opinion and something part of this podcast too is that we don't want to be like we're not trying to use this as like a, as a shocking opinion so you'll come watch the podcast it's just something we would talk about all yeah. the time off, offline and I suppose it seems it is our podcast and we have a, a place a medium to talk about it and these aren't the kind of opinions that you could see shared yeah. on Eurosport or yeah. kind of the bigger weightlifting media pages yeah we're just trying to share our opinion yeah. um what kind of the people we train with and the people we talk with the conversations we'd have yeah um and we're just trying to look at the numbers trying to look at the results <coughs> and see have the results changed uh if there's been a big change in a weight class or if we've had multiple people pulled out or the people below them catching up quite as quickly or if there's like a huge a bigger gap between those yeah like sometimes people say something like you can't paint everyone with the same brush so you can't say because they haven't tested positive that means they're not doping you know like it's it's not it you have to put some context in it too but if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck it's probably a fucking duck it's probably a fucking duck so and again once again we're not saying because they're doping they're bad people or we judge them just saying what the most likely the fact of the matter is for some athletes so, like, if we look at, let's say, we go to the results, 
of the 2019 Europeans, right? And a certain Mr. Mr. Lasher did slash 218 and yeah. clean jerk 260 kilos. And I think, as well, another preface, like preface number five here now. Myself and Dara love watching weightlifting, right? And at the end of the day, because neither of us are low long or long competitive, Dara never was competitive, and I no longer am, and have any plans to be. Our number one goal, I might feel differently if I was still competing, but we just want to see... We want to see the big weights. people lift big weights. That's what, that's like, so we just want to preface this, as like we really wanted to see people lifting big weights. So we like seeing Lasha. We want to see Lasha snatch 230. Do you know, we yeah. want to see 225. We want to see a 500 kilo total. Like we and we want to see five people like Lasha competing for gold medal spots. Yeah. We don't want to just see Lash out in his own because yeah, exactly, yeah, Lasher yeah. lives in a country where he gets a lot of support. Yeah. We want to see multiple Lashes in multiple countries yeah. competing for medals. And like, so Lash is, is a good example, right? Because he beat the other Georgian by 40 kilos. Okay. <laughs> so let's just read out the results. So 2016 European Championships in the 105 plus category. Lasha snatched 212 kilos, clean and jerk 251 kilos for a 263 kilo total. Two years later at Europeans, still the 105 kilo class. He had a lower total, so he did 210 kilo snatch, 247 kilo clean and jerk, giving him a 157 total. I I don't think that was so. I suppose if we're gonna if we're gonna go along the lines of doping, I don't think that was related. To no, there. I don't no, think, no, I think no. that was just there was just no, no need. And then this year, the weight class has changed slightly, so it's 109 plus, and he did 218 kilo snatch, 260 kilo clean and jerk. So, if you look, so, I suppose the second place was also a Georgian, okay, so if we're going to talk about systemic doping, he, he beat third place by 38 kilos, who was from Armenia, and I suppose... There's been plenty of Armenians testing positive. There's yeah. been a, plenty. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. no shortage of Armenians who no. tested positive. So, <clears throat> now, but there's no point naming the lifter. It doesn't matter. Like, but but this is just what we're trying to say. There's these gaps at the top appear to be getting larger. Yeah, and the difference between first place and second place, and it seems especially in the higher weight classes, the differences between first and second and second and third place seem to be getting larger. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be that it's looking like countries with more support are going even further ahead. It's yeah. not like we're getting the European nations catching up on these and it's European lifters getting closer to silver, closer to bronze, yeah. um, especially in the higher weight classes. It, it, it's, it seems really apparent actually as the uh, weight classes go on like that the the gap is getting a lot bigger between certain so the lighter one or two weight classes it's not it doesn't seem to be too bad like no. this this time next year we'll tell a massive amount like the gap it will it become fairly apparent I think um so the Europeans is very is very specific like it's continental there's a lot of good weight countries but then there's obviously a few other countries outside of the Europeans who have again are very well supported yeah for whatever that means like and like it's it's not too Talk about this isn't a. It's just an observation of the facts, really. What's happening? Um, I suppose Lasha is um, is a good example as well because Lasha has tested positive in the past. Uh, he was at European Juniors. Yeah, I remember watching him power snatch 170 kilos. So Lasha is the same age as me. I think I was, I think it was 18 or 19 in Estonia at the European Juniors, 
I actually think um, I have a video on my YouTube actually I'll put up on Instagram later is Lashes just clean jerking 205 like it's nobody's business but yeah. I remember watching him power snatch 170 kilos that as was, a junior like my best snatch at the time as an 85 junior was 115 like just <laughs> seeing him power snatching 170 and so he actually tested positive at that competition like so and I suppose if we're going to talk about it like realistically it wasn't Jesus that brought him back to the top you know yeah 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 and like no it's kind of a it's a funny secret in way, not a secret it's like um, it's like Stepford Houses or it's just everyone's acting like nothing's happening kind of yeah it's it, like he didn't add however much to his total by just keep training like you know taking his vitamins going to bed you know like no. it's it's um, it just <laughs> it's something that everybody knows but nobody talks about yeah like there's definitely a scenario a name for that kind of thing I yeah I think of it off the top of my head but so looking at some of the other weight classes um, and kind of make a comparison between what's happening at this year's Euros and what just happened at Asians. So we're on the bank holiday Monday. Um, so Asian Championships are still undergo- are underway now. Mm-hmm. So we have... Look at the 2016 numbers first. We have Danier Ismailov. Oh yeah, so we compared some of the 2016 as well. So there was um, Daniel Ishmanov. Uh, he's um, a Turkish lifter. So he was originally 16-9. And we apologize profusely for the pronunciation of all names. So sorry. It's unlikely that any of these will ever listen to our podcast. So no. Okay. So he he won the 2016-69s with 3-3-3. Three, three, three. So 155-178. I think it's important to note as well that at that competition, he also cleaned 190. So he clean and jerked 178 as his opener, missed 185? 182, I think. 182, so he cleaned it, didn't jerk it, and then went to 190 and cleaned 190 and didn't make the jerk, which is monstrous. Monstrous for a 69 kilo man. So Um, you could could conceive that that, that 333 kilo total being 12 kilos higher. And so then in 2019, right? So he's cutting. He's after cutting two kilos of body weight. So that's after taking. So essentially, well, he's uh, it's after taking 178 kilos off his clean jerk with that. But he, so yeah. he bombed them 165. He missed the clean. Or he missed the jerk three times. He actually came out and was um was squat jerking, like a weird splat like Kendrick Farris used to do. But he missed all of them. Like there were nowhere. There was zero. Like as soon if you'd seen the first one, there was no chance he was he was going to make that. Yeah. So his snatch is eight kilos lighter, and his clean and jerk opener is just not even thirteen kilos lighter. Like it's it was, a significant decorative yeah. decrement in performance. I don't know. Was he injured? Any injury talk or no? He attempted a world record snatch. Like so, yeah. How how big was that injury? Like if he was injured, um, like Turkey have had plenty of positive tests as well you know yeah so if if he like there's no way he had an injury that he was, could attempt in a world record snatch I think he attempted 154 for a world record and like he's snatching if you go by his Instagram he's, he's snatches he's a very good snatcher he's, he's great at snatching but his clean jerk is like I think there's definitely there's a video of him snatching 160 in his training hall for the 2015 Worlds. Like, he's yeah. absolutely sick. 
if you look it up it's on all things gyms youtube like 160 so fast like and then he's bombing with five kilos more than that in the clean, in the jerk. clean jerk um other example like the big comparison there is so this year so 67s rather than 69s two kilo difference in weight class the total that won that was 312 um but if we compare that to what just happened at asian games 339 kilo from chen lujun which is crazy what did chen do again one uh 339 he did 154 185 and like if you'd see if you see those videos like he, he genuinely looked like he could have done 158 160 and 190 but his lifts his lifts that he's put up in training yeah. are crazy. Unbelievably like, impressive athlete. And so that, if you put that in context of uh, the 67s at the 2019 Europeans, they did 137, 175. Yeah. That was from a French lifter, Bernard Kingu Matam. So how much of a diff? Um, that was... So how much there was... So that's a 17 kilo 20, difference in the 27, snatch. 27, 27 kilo. kilo difference. Total, on the, in the total. 27 kilos. Like at elite level weightlifting, Bernard is winning the European continents, one of the best continental competitions in the world. He's winning. And you have Chen Lu Zhen then doing 154, 185, just beating him, like destroying him, like not even... Like if you watch Bernard put up a like great show, like he... <coughs> Like he's always kind of hitting those numbers over the last few years. Like say, I can even remember watching him at the 2012 Olympics. Like he's uh, originally from Cameroon, I think, and like he's he, he, like he, he fought for those numbers. Like yeah, whereas Chen is just like yeah, you're talking about openers that would win European championships. Whereas like if you look at then the 73s, like the so the um, Bozidar Andri from Bulgaria, again another country. So, you know, no beating around With the bush. With a checkered pass. A checkered pass. Like, no beating around the bush. Or just absolute, you know, like the king of the candy land. Like, you know. Yeah. Charlie the Chocolate The Factory. home of the butcher. Charlie the Chocolate Factory. They did 153-192. Um, great lifting. Very good lifter to match, actually. He's very fast. Um, he open, he splits jerks with an open hand and he tends to move out as the bar goes up. And he does not, doesn't seem to fail jerks. So, great lifter. There's a video on his Instagram actually of him block snatching 170. Jesus Christ. 170, so fast. It's great. Yeah. So then we have Shen, Xi, or Xi Jiang. Um, there used to be a very good racer before, but the same name. But Shen at the Europeans just did there today or yesterday 168 kilo snatch <sighs> and 194 kilo clean jerk. So. It's ludicrous. The, the difference is gigantic. Like, and it ha- like it has to be noted as well that these countries competing at Europeans are not, they're not the bottom of the barrel countries. It's not like you're going to small nations where yeah. they're countries that aren't involved in supporting athletes. These are countries with very good pass and weightlifting, yeah. highly supported athletes, mm-hmm. good setups, good coaches. Yeah. These aren't non-supported countries. They're just... Driven, motivated athletes. Yeah. At least who want to win. From countries with large populations. mm -hmm. But it just seems to be... Like, I know the French... huge differences. Like, the French lifters are, like... So, if you go back to the 67s, they're, like, incredibly well-supported. Like, I know they're very well-supported. They're, like, basically with them athletes. Um, And it's multiple countries. It's not just one or two well-supported countries. 
a lot of the Eastern Bloc countries and then a lot of Central European countries with great support. Yeah. Like if you look at um like the the difference in Xi Jinping's his his clean and jerk, like he's one ninety four. There's a video on I am hook grip and all things gym of him power cleaning one eighty. Yeah. Like that's not fair. Like that that's one eighty power clean and power jerk. Just as casual as he like, like like I went yeah. to one forty or something and he weighs seventy three kilos and like there's a pause front going at two thirty, like it's um like I suppose I was in the position of someone competing against athletes like this and I suppose realistically I was never under any illusion when I started and my livelihood was never a part of weightlifting. Like I loved weightlifting, obviously still do and now I suppose my livelihood is, but it's in a different form. But um back then I knew I was what before I started. And see I always deep down was a massive fan of weightlifting anyway, so it never really felt unfair. But like if you're someone who was always natural competing in natural country training hard and you have everything but you're still low look like yeah it's a it's a shit situation to be in but if this is the situation so where we've had this kind of false dawn yeah um where we think it's like new things are happening new yeah. weight class are happening um weightlifting is being punished as a sport and being seen to do things about it mm-hmm. what are we saying so so countries like bulgaria countries in the eastern bloc who've been known for doping in the past aren't still hitting the numbers that some of these highly supported countries are hitting. What it would, might look like would be that those countries in like Eastern Europe and places like that who maybe, who I suppose would have more rudimentary protocols yeah. are not getting worse, but are not getting better. Actually, some of them are getting worse, I'd imagine. Are for sure getting worse, definitely. Like, there's some examples there. Yeah, yeah, you can see the numbers are way down. They're, they're getting worse. Um, not worse, but they're coming into line, I suppose. They're kind of joining the pack of, say, like, countries like... I think it's fair to say, like, Germany, um, Italy, too, I'd imagine. Yeah. Who are... Countries who would typically have very, very strong anti-doping protocols. Like, I know in... I think in Germany and Italy, actually, are both countries that you can go to jail for doping. Yeah. Um. So in those two countries, right... They have great systems for weightlifting. We've we've experienced some of the German weightlifting system there. Yeah, I was uh Germany year before last. Yeah, the year before last, and um with Martin Zwaysen, and he just talked to him about some of the German weightlifting system. Yeah, they've great support. Like I know Max highly and, resourced. Yeah, like great coaches. They know what they're about. Nutritionists, um, financial support, uh, financial incentives for winning. I imagine all that. Yeah. I know the Italian system was helped by um, Edmonds, the Latvian coach, and you see Mirko winning fifty sixes with very some conceivable numbers from an elite natural fifty five, fifty six. You know, some from someone who's very talented. So is what we're seeing now, or it appears to be what we're seeing now, is that the bottom rungs are kind of joining. Yeah. And those kind of middle of the ground or middle of the pack countries seem to be joining closer to the mm-hmm. to the bottom countries. And what the worry be then would be that in the future that this is how it's gonna remain. That these countries, the sort of these top countries who who are who are prolific at doping who are getting away with it for whatever reason. And then we're gonna see everyone else like if you look at the one oh nines, so Simon Marsorian there was no doubt that he was he, no. he was ever going to win like he sauntered he was like there's a video if you watch it the cleaning jerks 
I don't think he's even he's come out for his first clean jerk at two twenty five, I think, and then on his second attempt he's leaning on the coaches table where they write the um the next attempts and he's literally laughing with his coaches and joking yeah, he knows yeah, he's yeah. one like Yeah. And yeah. You, like, it's a pity to see and then we see some especially on the female side, we're seeing some very, very competitive kind of battles like Yeah, the the females if you look at the results, um are very competitive. Unbelievably, like yeah. Um like even down through the years, say up in like twenty sixteen and stuff, it's close for a lot of time, and it still seems close now. Yeah, I, I don't like honestly. I can't think of a reason why it's still competitive. I I I don't really. I can't think of a reason why they like with the men's. You have those clear winners. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. And then with the women, it's um, it's still very close. Um, so. Like arguably some of the most popular or some of the kind of major winners from the competition or from Europeans this year have been female lifts. Definitely the most popular kind of videos or lifts you see on the internet or, or the mo- things that are getting the most traction would tend to be kind of uh, the video of Loredana Toma failing that world record snatch yeah. attempt. Um, definitely female weightlifting is getting a, a huge amount more popular. And you just wonder is... Is it that along with that popularity now they're starting to get more equal support along with the male teams? And um, the case of Toma was again, she has tested positive in the past. Yeah, I suppose it's it's sometimes people want to ignore it, like, and she did test positive. So I suppose what's why is it that she is still competitive? Like she wasn't destroying her competition there. No. There's, so there's Boyanka Kostova, um, I think it was last year, the year before she tested positive. She destroyed the competition. She power snatched 105 and power cleaned 130. Power jerked 130 as well. Yeah. Like she's the video for squatting 215 uh, in training, back squat. Like, and like I, I don't really understand. I can't, I and these, just to give context, now, Rebecca Koa won the equivalent weight class in 2018 with the 105, 120. So a 220 kilo total. Mm. That's 15 kilos under the total that yeah. Bianca set the year before, yeah, or Bianca two years was previous. Bianca powering as well. Bianca was powering. Power snatching, yeah. Whereas, like, Rebecca Coa looks like she's on the absolute like, limit of her, like, capabilities at the moment. Yeah. And whether will she, will she grow in, grow more? Will she, like, expand her capabilities in the future as she gets older, maybe? But usually it would seem that with elite athletes, regardless of drugs, natty or not, it, it would seem that... Um, the peaking occurs fairly heavily. Like I remember, um, I can't think of his name now. Uh, Boyd Cherninga. So he did a comparison of all the world champion, world champions, and junior champions a few years ago. And basically, if you weren't a junior world champion, you had like a twenty percent chance of becoming a world champion. Yeah, yeah. So if you weren't up there by the time you were eighteen, nineteen, you weren't going to be there. You were never going to be there. But I suppose that was sent the reason for at least to start younger. It's like if you started eight. Yeah. Are you're you going to reach your potential a lot earlier than somebody yeah. who starts at 16 or 17. Like you're not going to peak. Like let's say you're probably going to peak by the time you're 18 or 19 and then you just stay around those results. But th- nothing's mad, nothing magical is going to happen. Like you're not going to go from uh, 120 to 140, 180 in no. th- by the time from 18 to 20. No, 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 years, no. Like, so that And w- whatever kind of physiological adaptation is going to happen mm-hmm. kind of around that 14 to 16, like just after peak height velocity when you've kind of yeah. finished physically developing yeah. your frame and then you're kind of just filling out into that 
but like the 10 years is seems to be like the kind of number where most weightlifters it, peak would sound like that that after that then they're all downhill but it seems to be when they hit their maximum kind of that, that's when they're like peak velocity i suppose would yeah. be a better word for it like they're that's their you have the most momentum behind you yeah and after that then it's it's shit or bust i suppose yeah and like when you look at when kind of more institutional or, or like uh like when you look back through the literature when you you look at uh what age people would develop at and strength wise and mm-hmm. standard kind of males will reach their kind of peak strength between 30 and 32 mm-hmm. and that's like western males like yeah you see uh, western european or american males generally 30 to 32 they're kind of reaching their peak strength you're getting your dad's strength then i suppose yeah 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 and you just think that if somebody has been kind of lifting weights and trying to compete in weightlifting since mm-hmm. they're eight that's going to come a lot earlier we used to think actually as well in weightlifting it was seen for a toilet that like once you hit 30 it was just yeah that was it it seemed like 30 was just your body was like fuck this but what it seems like now, if you look at people like Andrea Ramno, who's come back and who did 190 to 21, the phenomenal performance. He's only back lifting a year and a half. He's 30 and he was off for five years and he looked great. And if you look at Ilya lifting again, it might it might seem that it may not have been that. Like if you look at Luz Arjun as well, who's 34 yeah. now and he's still fucking just destroying weights. Absolutely, yeah. It might seem like that there was just no incentive like let's like like we were saying, if you started when you're eight years old, this stage now that was twenty two years of weightlifting. By yeah. the time you're thirty, it might be that you're completely broken. But yeah, I think there could be a lot of factors. Shit sick of weightlifting. Yeah, you could the shit sick of it could definitely be a thing. Like if you look at uh, Dmitry Bristov, you look at him on Instagram now, like he's still cleaning two twenty. Yeah, thirty six, thirty seven, snatching one eighty. Um, you have to think as well that whatever besides from the kind of recovery agents like whatever actual recovery work they're doing or whatever sports medicine they're using now they can get athletes lifting a lot longer do you buy into any of those stuff like say like you hear of like cryotherapy and yeah those kind of things like say uh, cbd oil or you know those those things that are like really minuscule like do you think they make any difference Uh, i I don't think so i don't think that's the reason i don't think lu jiaoshun um or guys at that level, I don't think CBD oil or, or cryotherapy chambers or anything like that will have enough of an effect mm-hmm. to keep him in the game for longer. Um, I think what you have when you look at people like that, you have something somebody who's unbelievably genetically talented mm-hmm. um, combined with seriously good support staff and coaching who understand when to push someone and who, when to ease off. Like... If you look outside of weightlifting, like when they when yeah. you look, look at all blacks, like rugby players who get a year sabbatical before they go to a World Cup um, or something like that. Like you look at Richie McCall, um, former all blacks captain, basically got a full year off before going to rugby World Cup. Um, and even at the World Cup, didn't play very many games at all, except in the final. And you like their phenomenal performances when they come back. It could be a, a, an issue similar with that with Lou Jiaojun, where Lou knows how to lift weights. He mm. knows how to get himself into good shape to lift big weights. Yeah. Um, they might just need a break. And, and instead of it being a, an 18-month cycle leading into, mm-hmm. or like two nine-month cycles leading into a, an Olympic Games, he might just need two four-month cycles. Yeah, that, that's kind of a thing too. Is It's not... Can they get into shape? For Lou, it might be 
Lou knows how to get into shape and he yeah. just needs to do that and you know yourself like how many times has your back squat gone from probably being 230 back up to somewhere around 270 yeah you know full well now that it's you're probably three weeks away from getting to a, mm-hmm. a legitimate heavy back squat yeah um like you see like there were stories back in the day of like chinese weightlifters icing their balls yeah uh, to increase the testosterone yeah so smoking uh they used to call it ho- horny goat weed like goat grass or, or um drinking blood to help your blood or eating yeah. eyes to eat your eyes eating and meat. there's even um from the book galavani's book uh the Gambo white Esky. prisoner yeah um like they talk about ivan average of going getting going to slaughterhouses and getting bull's testicles yeah um and getting his weightlifters to eat the testicles to increase their testosterone levels obviously we know that that's that's bollocks that's bullshit yeah 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 um, and you have to wonder how much of that is the weightlifters probably get a placebo effect mm-hmm. they could also get something called like they could get increases in mental resilience from things like that if if you're a 12 year old and you're icing your balls or if you're a 12 year old getting into uh, an ice cold bath every day a lot of the research has shown that you can get increases in mental resilience from things like that which could help their weightlifting um, we saw in in the IWF Lift the World documentary, you saw uh, Dmitry Klokov had an ice pool outside his back garden, and um, that's he the, quoted that as yeah. saying his father made him get into it every morning, yeah. and he thanks his father for it now because he has an Olympic silver. So, but with the um, <coughs> so like if you take the hot, <coughs> if you take the um, Garf's just <laughs> dying over here in the corner. And cold research, um, I suppose the phrase inconclusive, yeah, inconclusive doesn't even cover that enough. Um, I think, and we'll we'll try and cover, we'll do a separate podcast on actual recovery techniques and and what elite sport uses versus what the literature will tell us to use in terms of ice baths. So that's getting into water between five and one degrees celsius um and doing like a two minute soak it hasn't been shown to be performance enhancing or it hasn't been shown conclusively <coughs> to reduce the risk of injury it seems if anything to be detrimental yeah um and anything you might be getting you might be getting some reduction in kind of an anti-inflammatory response which for weightlifting isn't ideal you know like we're training to get a, a metabolic response or an, an inflammatory response in order to kind of build strength in the muscle or to bring about a, a muscular adaptation. So it's not something you'd want to be doing. Would it be any benefit to doing it between a double session though? It's it's very hard to know. A lot of the time we see people doing double sessions, they're doing a strength session in the morning and then they're going to do their actual lifts in the evening. So what's the point in doing a strength session if we're not getting any muscular adaptation from it but would there be any reduction in fatigue between the sessions from it i don't think you see you can see a reduction in muscular soreness which could be kind of advantageous it might let you go for a bigger snatch but that's just a perception of muscular soreness. yes it's not an actual reduction in how the muscle the unit is doing or how the cells are recovering it's it's something we'll do a podcast on later on um and it, personally it, like it's I think most people would see that most recovery protocols are useless yeah i think that's the fairest way to say them 
I think there's sleep. Like, <clears throat> sleep, nutrition, and optimal training loads. Yeah. Are the most important. Like we we saw this the other day, and in the last week we've kind of been talking about uh, tendonitis a lot and and tendinopathy just between us and chatting mm-hmm. after kind of going down and talking with um the squat university guy and, and doing a podcast with them mm-hmm. training load mm-hmm. is how you stop yourself getting injured from getting injured and he it's, was, it's as simple as that like you can't you can't outsleep a bad program yeah. you can't eat around bad programming well if you're very talented ah uh, yeah but who's eat, very talented uh you can out eat a bad diet yeah i suppose like one of the things as well Aaron was saying is that your squat mechanics are totally irrelevant yeah. to your crippling knee tendonitis. That's the thing. You can do a squat with incredibly poor form mm-hmm. and only do five of them with zero weight. And he was very conclusive about this. He was like, it was it was black and white. He was so sure of it. And it's not often like Aaron is a PhD, so he understands like uh, the scientific methods and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. So it wouldn't be something for him to be saying that something was very conclusive unless it showed that the research was definite about yeah. this and the research is definite about it it's it's a loading based injury mm-hmm. um, and it's a loading based condition that I can do certain things in incredibly poor positions and my tendons will never get annoyed at me whereas mm-hmm. I can do things for a long time or under a lot of load and my tendons will instantly become very very irritated have they done much research research on um the effect of like isometric stuff and tendons yeah like that's what most of the kind of research backed recovery protocols would be good or bad for them good good for tendons yeah so stuff like stuff like holds again pins or something like that was it or yeah holds? quarter squat holds yeah um it's good for them good for them yeah like when you think about loading up a tendon unit most of the time our tendon units don't get loaded until we're in end range we're holding something incredibly heavy without moving or else a plyometric movement. So is there a hierarchy hierarchy of like um, loading preferences from your muscle and tendon ligament issues? Do certain things take over a certain point or is there, is it um, everything takes over? There's definitely when you look at, at loading going through and the kind of speed of loading. So high, uh, high plyometric movements. Like if I was doing a drop jump down off a uh, box, mm-hmm is unbelievably heavily loaded towards tendon units. Why is that? Because tendons are what transfer force from a muscle into yeah. a bone or a bone into a muscle. So it's just mm-hmm. it's just the way that kind of system works, you know. That the tendon will work work as a shock absorber and, and a transfer of force from the muscle into the bone or in, from the bone into a muscle. And I suppose when you were younger you would have um, when you're playing rugby, you yeah. would have done a lot of sea swimming and ice bats and loads i used to get into a wheelie bin full of water that was just outside the back door multiple i'd say most nights kind of after training so four or five times a week i just had a wheelie bin sitting outside the back door and do you think that that was just a good thing for mental resilience training yeah like i used to do it because um so Why were you doing it for, obviously originally you were doing it to recover from training yeah that would be the original so what what originally the reason I bought a wheelie bin, so for those of you who aren't Irish, a wheelie bin is like a trash can that's kind of five foot high. Mm-hmm. Um, it has wheels on the bottom of it. So I used to fill that with water. Most of the rugby season runs from September through the winter. So most of the time the water is kind of 
six seven degrees which or below most of the which is what you need for yeah the, um so the reason i got the wheelie bin was because my mother has a background in sports science and i wasn't allowed to go do extra gym sessions which is because i was told i was overtraining which i was overtraining which is very easy for young people to do yeah really really easy and it's kind of something that's really overlooked so i wanted to make the argument that i was under recovering Mm-hmm. Um, and got the wheelie bin full of ice water so I used to hop into it kind of four or five times a week and I used to do it for physical recovery but I don't think it had any effect like reading the literature now thinking back on how I used to feel when I'd wake up in the morning mm-hmm. I don't think it had a physical effect but mentally mm-hmm. you have this feeling of I'm tougher than the next guy I go up against like if you'd call that the placebo effect, and obviously the placebo effect is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Do you think that there might be some recoverability in inverted commas from the placebo effect from doing ice baths? For a weightlifter? Anyone. Let's yeah. say for a 16-year-old arrow thing, jumping into these bin. Um Because you would have believed that you're like, I'm playing rugby. I fucking I've got to fucking do this, you know. Like, yeah. This is it. Like this is part of the. I think the culture. Yeah, definitely. There's there's kind of a learned, um, a learned resilience, or you're increasing the amount of grit you might have, which is just like just looking at goal based. So like the difference between resilience, but and grit. No, I talk about just like biochemical, muscle muscular adaption, inflammation overcompensation that kind of thing do you think there's any effect with it? it would seem like the researchers know that isn't it like I've, I've read some a lot of things there's a lot of metas uh, yeah the research like, right yeah and this is it's a funny statement but it's it's kind of a, a covers all when it comes to ice baths mm-hmm. cryotherapy and I mean non a non-extreme lot. degrees of cryotherapy so just ice baths between 5 and 1 degrees the research suggests <laughs> that if the study was done in Australia Oh, yeah. ice baths work yeah. for physical recovery and if the study wasn't done in Australia they don't work and that is across oh, I'd say more than 10 meta-analyses which is probably like which is over 100 studies yeah it's a huge weight of kind more of, probably, of scientific probably. literature a lot of them those studies too some of those meta-analyses would have included um, heat treatment as well and hot and cold treatments yeah and a lot of them are fairly good studies because they've been done so well that like people can very easily compare from previous ones. Yeah, and and they're using really objective measures. You know, they're yeah. they're looking at levels of creatine in the blood. They're looking at mm-hmm. while kind of inter individual differences in soreness mightn't be the best way to measure things. If I give you a soreness measure for a hundred days in a row, mm-hmm. and you see differences in my soreness, and then we do that with a thousand people that suddenly becomes an extremely valid measure. And I suppose if you've, if you've ever listened to Joe Rogan talk, you've heard the phrase heat shock proteins or yeah. cold shock proteins. I suppose in Joe's defense, they're a legitimate thing. They're a genuine chemical re- biochemical reaction yeah. your cells produce. But I wonder, what has anyone, has anyone proved that they're in any way related to muscular recovery? Or are those things... Are those muscular proteins just released as a way of adapting to the cold environment placed upon you all of a sudden? And would they realistically, would they have any actual effect on recovering from 
your previous sporting activity because basically what your body's probably doing is just being like oh fuck it's really cold yeah. we need to fix this scenario right now I think it's it's so difficult for the studies that have been done and the studies that are out there now it's so incredibly difficult to separate mm-hmm. what the difference in you perceiving yourself to be recovered as yeah. and what you've actually recovered as like if you if you follow like Max Lang and stuff there yeah they seem to visit the cryo chamber, so that would be minus like a hundred and something degrees. Uh, I think it's minus two hundred and thirty or two hundred and fifty Fahrenheit. So yeah, it's it's unbelievably cold. Like they visit that on a reasonably regular basis, and I wonder is you'd like the Germans would be very well up on that research. Yeah. So do they? Is this a thing that they're doing for their lifters because? They think there's no negative effect and there might be some positives or does it just feel like i would i would imagine that it's most likely a placebo not a placebo effect but it's like um kind of a, uh putting their lifters in a situation where they might be like the lads might get something out of this because they might yeah. be like this might help them like you know because they because they would know themselves that they're not on drugs let's yeah say, let's say most likely that those german weightlifters aren't on gear yeah yeah um I think it's it's that thing of small margins. Mm-hmm. If we know it won't hurt an athlete, yeah. but it might give them the small increase. Do we it's know like it won't the, hurt them? Yeah. I for think, sure. Yeah. I think most of the research will say there's no negative impact. Yeah. Um Is there there is some research, I think, on cold. So you know there was a thing there for a while. And I I think it's it's kinda gone away now. But that cold showers, cold baths raise your testosterone. Yeah. But they did um there was a study on men who worked in an avatar, a cold room, and their testosterones on average were much lower. Not much lower, but by yeah. a, orders of like 200 nanograms per deciliter or something like that. Yeah, 50, yeah. Which is a significant amount. Yeah. Because they were constantly exposed to cold all day. So um, Yeah, I think it could be a thing of that. It's it's a cold shock protein, and it's mm-hmm. an, ad- an adaptation to an adverse environment. Whereas if that environment then became your everyday, it probably wouldn't have the same effect. Just an, a kind of funny or an interesting side note on cryo chambers. My number might be slightly off on this, but they know for a fact that humans can be in a cryo chamber for 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason they know that is because the Irish rugby team went on tour, I think in 2013, um, one of the Southern Hemisphere tours anyway, mm-hmm. and they all decided to go in and use a cryo chamber. Mm-hmm. And one of the management team, like a, a kit man or one of the backroom staff, went in and stayed in the cryo chamber and forgot to come out when he was told to come out and he didn't die after 13 minutes so they know worldwide you can survive a cryo chamber for 13 minutes i suppose like personally i I used um, a cryo bat so i I think the water was is five degrees and i like i'll be honest with you if i kind of felt like there was something to it yeah after but you feel great but uh, like I don't know is it just a situation where you've been in such an adverse environment and then once you get out of there it's like oh Jesus training wasn't that bad after if I can say the pool. yeah like, yeah yeah it's, it's very hard to define these things you know? and that's what I say when when you look at kind of designing studies or the studies that are there how are you actually going to individualize each of those variables you know mm. how are we going to say it's not like we can just take your quad yeah. and put your quad in the quiet therapy and then we can do very 
very small scale experiments with individual muscle fibers, but then it's not ecologically valid, so you don't really know. I don't even know how we got into this, but anyway, Europeans. <laughs> so, so the future weightlifting is is looking like it's it's going to be. Um, it'll only be able to tell with time, I'd imagine. Um, it's I can feel for both sides. Like I I want to see Lasha. Like you can't help but just. If you're a fan of weightlifting, how can you not appreciate? You're a fan of lifting big weights. How can you not appreciate someone snatching two hundred and twenty kilos? Yeah, and doing it looking like an opener. Yeah, and I suppose like if you take, I wonder how it feels to be the lifter. Like if you look at Apti, I'll, I'll just ask these results there. So he did this year. He did one forty-five, <coughs> one eighty, as an eighty one. Yeah, I suppose Ati. I think any fans of the weightlifting will remember his performance at the twenty. What was it twenty fifteen Europeans, where he did one seventy three two fifteen. I think it was the first competition where he came out doing his um, Ati jerk. Yeah, um, the king of the squat jerk. Boy, oh boy, was that like I remember watching it being like fuck. Yeah, still, like it was sick to watch. Just, just to give some reference. This year's 2019 winner of the 81s, snatch 155 and clean and jerk 201. Um, snatch 155? Yeah, 155. Oh, yeah. No. Antonio. No, 162 was the highest snatch. Oh, Reed first. Reed first in 162. Okay. And I suppose we've, we've been basically assuming things about everyone else, so we might as well keep assuming. <laughs> is, this, is it fair to say Reed isn't is possibly natural? It, it would seem, let's say, so we can assume for sure that after he tested positive, so we know he was for a fact he was on drugs. And At we, one stage, yeah. And we know, like, if we're not beating around the bush like that for Lasha came back yeah. and put massive amounts in his total. So we can assume, with very good, I think, weight behind our assumption, that Lasha kept taking drugs, okay? So if you look at... Max Lang, who we would consider for a long time to be a very, very good natural weightlifter. Yeah. He did 154, 187, right? Yep. So it wouldn't be an astronomical. It would be very plausible that Rit Fars is did 162, 192 as a natty lifter. Yeah. Phenomenal technique. Their programming is quite good. I, I like. I don't like some of their technique, to be honest, but it seems to suit them. Yeah. And I suppose technique is as much culture as it is um, as it is um, an actual physical, a physique kind of, or physics yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't remember where I was going with this, but it's just a shame to see Apti doing 145, one You'd just love to see Apti back to as usual. Yeah. So it's it's a strange scenario, you know. I, I like I, I I can't imagine how Apti feels now, you know, because for Apti's case, coming out doing 145, 180, he missed, I think he missed 150. What did he? So he only did one clean and jerk 180. I didn't see the video of him, uh, so I don't know what it looked like. But he, oh, he missed 150 twice, so. Okay. I wonder what it feels like to be that particular athlete, to be at the U2012 silver medalist. Didn't get to go to Rio because I think he was banned prior to Rio. I think he, I think he got banned from the 2012 retest. So he okay, was one, yeah, of, yeah. one of the 50 B something, samples, 50 re positive yeah, yeah. alone. 50, that's crazy number. So like, I don't... Uh, what what kind of position is he in now yeah. I wonder like what what kind of mental state is he in going into that competition with 
severely reduced numbers. And yet... What's the incentive for Apti? Yeah. What is the incentive for him to... You see other guys in the weight class still hitting those big numbers. But he's not. I wonder... So if, if you look at Alia now at the moment... So again, we know for a fact Alia took drugs. Took them for a long time. In, in his current scenario, if you're judging by his Instagram... Alien went from being the most prolific international weightlifter, never lost an international competition, and he competed against some very talented weightlifters throughout the years. In multiple very, very challenging weight classes. Three weight, weight classes, yeah. multiple world records. Like, what kind of position is Alien now, I suppose, that... I think it's safe to say... Well, we don't know for sure. It's, it's actually very hard to assume at the moment. We, we don't... Instagram only tells you part of the story. Yeah. And we'll see this week now if he competes as a 96... An interesting thing a friend of ours said when we were talking about Ilya mm-hmm. is how powerful an athlete Ilya now is that financially he probably doesn't have to lift anymore. Mm-hmm. What's his incentive now? Like just yeah. another gold medal? Yeah, and just how powerful that is that if he's going back training that he's training just to win. Mm-hmm. And he has nothing else. It's not that he's winning to put a house over his head or yep. or to get like fancy cars like he would have been doing in the past that he's just going back to win. Mm-hmm. And um, like if you look at his Instagram, he has in his bio, I will win my third Olympic gold in Tokyo. Yeah. So, like let's, let's say let's take another class there. So we have the 96s, right? So the winner of that class just, he just absolutely, basically annihilated the competition, I suppose. Yeah. would be the safest way to say it. Do you want to pronounce his name? No, I don't. Yahoo. Tishikansu. Honestly, I've no A idea. Belarusian lifter. Right. Belarus. It's funny how you can tell countries' techniques from watching them. Like, in Belarusians all seem to push their knees out as they go up. Yeah. So move the knees out. Instead of it's like that textbook. Back. Um, so he actually, he beat his next closest competitor by 22 kilos, which is elite level weight of thing in a very competitive weight class. It's ludicrous. It's a ludicrous amount. You're talking about, uh, so it's, a 400 kilo total 22 kilo difference you're talking about around 5% in the difference greater than 5% 5.25% so 10 10 kilos on the snatch and 12 kilos on the clean and jerk and like his snatch looked pretty he kind of walked a bit with it but he's very strong and his next closest competitor was a Russian and now I suppose as everyone's aware and everyone's Thing and ev- and Russia were the yeah. the scapegoats for a lot of this, but a lot of their numbers are pretty down. But like Igor Klimanov, he's been kind of consistently doing like one seventy two ten for a long time. Like so, again, he's never. I, as far as I know, I don't think he's ever tested positive. So if we play the game, we we like is maybe yeah. not taking gear. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just interesting to see that there's at times there is. So make classes where everything's nice and normal and people are winning by literally like a kilo or sometimes people are winning by body weight. And then you get the freaks. 20 kilos of, of yeah. difference. And I think time will tell a lot now, like this time next year in Tokyo, what what will happen. Yeah. And will we see more positives from retesting from 2016? You know. It'll be very interesting as well to see what happens when we get the kind of freaks from the Europeans this year mm-hmm. pushing themselves to compete against what we're seeing happening at Asians. Like this, this and one. it'll be interesting as well to see what will happen when the people who competed at the Asian Games underneath 
the kind of control of anti-doping at Asian Games? What will happen when they go to the IOC yeah. and WADA for the Olympics? Like the IOC are all on to themselves. And and uh, you have to say as well that WADA are all to themselves as well. You know, they're, they're funded by WADA or by the IOC. And something we've, we speculate as well about is, um, is how some countries most likely, it, and there might be a reason for these top countries being able to do what they're doing, is that it might not always be the drugs they're taking, but it may be the political influence they exert yeah. over certain organizations. Like, we don't know what we don't know, but... I heard a story, I suppose, back in, if anyone remembers, Lehau. He tested positive in 2010 for 198 kilo. He set the world record, 198 kilo clean and jerk. And then tested positive and came back and broke the world record later. But that's beside the point. But there was a story in the 2011 training hall. 20, yeah, 2011 in Paris that China couldn't afford at the time to pay the, um, I suppose, bribe is the best way to call it bribes for layout to not be tested positive not be released you know and i wonder yeah, yeah. that's stuff we hear about so i wonder what we're not hearing about or what we'll never know like no 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 and it's not like the, the kind of big russian scandal came out purely because of mm-hmm. of one incident um what was your man's name on the on the the icarus documentary dick what was he gregory name? dick pound oh dick pound yeah dick pound the head of water yeah he was saying that uh, it's basically an IQ test if you fail a drug test at the moment. Um, but in might of thing, you'd wonder how much of that was... So obviously some countries, the poor countries who don't have a big political influence were winning by taking our work because they're not being tested internally, that their drugs were... They were passing the test, but you wonder about other countries, does a positive test even matter? Yeah. Does it does it even make a difference? Like, is um is the political influence behind them the real force? Like, we never see China. We saw Chi- two Chinese women test positive from the retests for uh, some kind of peptides. Uh, I think it was two of them. And Lei Hao is the only male weightlifter that I can ever think of that tested positive for China. So. Yeah, it it is that kind of culture of just like when you spoke about it earlier. It's probably not that they're doing things. It's not gene doping. Yeah. They're probably not developing new, yeah. like new versions of the clear or new versions of designer steroids. They might have kind of one or two different things that people wouldn't have heard of. But it is more likely that that influence. Mm-hmm. An interesting thing that came out this week. Did you see the anti-doping science podcast? Oh, yeah. um, their Instagram page released a thing about doping in Ireland. Yeah, what do you think that? It's like the thing that kind of spurred it on in my head was when you said about it being an intelligence test. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's 1112 tests or something like that. One positive test for the, like, for cannabis, I think. And it is like we're doing thousands of these tests out of competition, um, spending huge amounts of money on it, which is great. And Ireland has a very good record of for anti doping and is highly thought of by WADA for their anti-doping protocols, but what's the point in in this kind of spending resources 
on intelligence tests to be testing thousands of people outside of competition obviously if they want to go to the olympics they have to go along with it and they have to tick the boxes but there has to be a better way and a better system of of catching people rather than just screening everybody constantly you know and we heard, we know what happened with weightlifting ireland this year and and the whereabouts and yeah that's another thing i suppose some people would argue is that why should the good countries keep being good yeah like we see countries that stellar records like our own like the states you do things 100% by the book 100% of the time mm-hmm. but then what's the point when you're going against people who don't Chinese athletes Russian athletes mm-hmm. you know what like there's no we're not going to figure that out on a podcast no you know like these are bigger wider range of questions that nobody really knows the answer to I suppose it, uh, we just have to clarify again and reiterate that in the day we still just want to see people lift lift big weights stupid big weights yeah you know that's, that's, that's what we want to see like I want to like I want to see Lash to do that to or something like that. Oh, 100%. And you want to see like like I said earlier, we want to see five lashes do it. Mm-hmm. And we want to see competitive weight. We don't want to see a weight class where like with the Belarusian where he's winning by 22 kilos. Mm-hmm. Um or Dmitry Shumak winning by 14 kilos. Yeah. You know like these like when you know that they're going to win. It's unfair, but we yeah. like we want to see competition. Like the 2014 105 kilo class was, I remember watching it, just, it was absolutely phenomenal watching that class. Yeah. Three, three world record clean and jerks in the space of like five or six minutes. Like, that was just, that was one of the best memories I ever weightlifting is yeah. watching that class and being like, oh my God, this is fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, just, it, it seems like we'll never see anything like that ever again. That's think, what it looks like. I think it should be noted as well that like those were records were fucking world records. Mm-hmm. It's not like now where it's a new weight class and everything's a world record. Yeah. You know, like they're very different. They're hard fought records that have stood for years. I suppose anything lighter to talk about? Anything less like depressing than not depressing to say the doping, but less morbid letting Um Bring it back to what we were talking about this week. Yeah. The amount of people who have sore knees who yeah. contact us. Yeah. And then ignore us when we're like, you're probably squatting too much. Yeah. Like, there's a reason we get people to squat twice a week in our programs. Yeah. There's a reason yeah. you don't go balls to the wall and max out every week. Like, one, um, a good lifter who was, clean, who was squatting 205 before he did the Roll to Anywhere squat program, they had added 50 kilos to his 3RM and his yeah. 5RM and then he had a 5 kilo PB after 8 weeks so he had a 210 what I'd kind of like implore people to do is if if you're at a stage now where you're really trying to push your squat and you're thinking you've heard of these kind of really high volume programs like the Russian squat protocol or mm-hmm. um, like the Smolov or Smolov Junior setups just give it a small bit more thought before you go in yeah and like people tend to like write off oh i've six weeks now where training doesn't really matter i'm really going to go for this mm-hmm. use that six weeks a small bit more intelligently yeah you know and like it doesn't have to be our squat program 
it doesn't have to be us you come to but just when you're choosing programs try and use your head a bit more mm-hmm. um and when you ask people for help don't just expect to echo back what you have in your own head yeah what you were hoping to hear back yeah most of the time it's your fault yeah <laughs> okay i've never really seen any corrective exercises fake people fix people's knee pain no like i could never i actually can't think of any one scenario where ever where i've ever been like uh you can have stuff where it's like um like lateral loading of the patella where okay fastest laterals and stuff is vastly overdeveloped and you, and you virtually have no vmo mm-hmm. and you you've a quad that's highly dysfunctional that can happen but that's one in a thousand yeah that is not they're not issues that most people need to deal with most of the time you've just done a bit too much or you've done the wrong thing mm-hmm. uh too often so do like obviously kind of one major takeaway i'd have is is before you go and and choose a program or choose a, a kind of route to follow with your squat mm-hmm. give it a small bit of thought yeah um because you see all these things online of oh, i ran small off for eight weeks or ran five cycles of small off like firstly you don't know what's going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. and it could be someone like like you Gurf, who's just getting back to squatting and they've added 70 kilos in in 12 weeks but in reality yeah they've added five kilos in 12 weeks yeah and um, because their prs could have been that much higher before or it could be somebody who's experiencing that kind of noob gains and that that yeah. period of unbelievable amount of adaptation um in the first kind of in the first three to four months of their training it's understandable too i understand the need to uh, want to do very intense program because you're like i won't make the gains i want to make yeah if i'm not going fucking balls to the wall and especially the way that weightlifting is is we get incredibly used to we might be snatching 60 kilos and then with a few technical changes we suddenly are snatching 80 85 90 yeah and it we've we've done very little adaptation work to get there we've just changed how we approach the bar how we lift mm-hmm. and then we get to 90 we get to 100 we get to 120 and it's suddenly okay you're just not strong enough yeah you know and and that can be frustrating when you're used to getting huge increases from very little work or it's just technical changes yeah and now suddenly we have to kind of put the head down and we know it's going to take three months six months to get a requisite level of strength to then go on pr again that is difficult and like we understand that but yeah just don't rush into anything too rash um seen any impressive lifts this week on instagram or anything <clears throat> that uh 180 power clean and jerk from the chinese lifter that's crazy oh my god what's his name again xi zhang xi zhang so he did oh 164 then um actually our buddy um from qatar oh miso miso doubling 291 291 for a double mm-hmm. easy as well yeah he says he wants a squat 320 yeah he also says he wants a clean jerk world record yeah he's in a stacked class though very competitive class so he is 10 to um he has i suppose does he the account not really not really not yet no. yeah not yet is a question there yeah will there ever be a yet just to give you some background on this debate 
myself and Owen have gone forward and backwards on whether Ilya will come back to his his former self. Mm-hmm. And I think he won't and categorically <laughs> thinks he will. I So I'm just waiting for the bet to pay off. I, I feel like he will because I saw his like return after the twenty after taking a break from two thousand eight, after taking a break from twenty twelve, after taking a break, I just coming back and I suppose the thing is people are always like Yes, weirdly enough, like say like Tiger Woods just won the Masters there the other day, and there there's a clip of him. Someone plays all of the clips of people being to him. You are never gonna fucking win another one. Woods needs to retire. It's it's a good old fucking. I love a good old comeback story. And Ailey has proven many times. And he is he is like the prince of weightlifting. He's a force of nature. Like, yeah. So I would I'd be so disappointed if he didn't come back, and. I think he he's given like he's won the benefit of the doubt from me that yeah. he's come back so many times. I will admit <laughs> that this particular hill looks a lot steeper than the yes. last few hills he's been climbing. So th- there was I like big theory. You have the romantic notion in your head. He's just but like, we'll see. Tokyo isn't too far away. Like the some of the lifts he was doing there recently, there's like spurts where he's like it looks like you're like shit. Ilya's back. He's doing like he said he did one seventeen training again recently yeah. a few weeks ago, and I I I'm, I'm just gonna imagine he cleaned her two ten. But once again, we don't know what's going on. No. Ilya could be trolling us like some high level trolling on the ground. Uh, doesn't look like it, but he could be. No. Um, it really doesn't look like it. I would love if he's trolling us, but I do, I don't see him. So realistically, in the 96 kilos of the Asians, it's going to be between Miso and Chantau. Yeah. I think Rastami is lifting. Chantau's squat this week. Three, oh, 290 for double. Yeah. There was no, um, I, I'm going to say, it, it was not yeah, a, a random number that Miso did 291 no. for a double. I think, <laughs> I think 291 was very, very planned. Yeah. But what was your favourite lift of Europeans? Of the training hall or just the competition? Uh, in entire competition and training hall. Mm. I to be honest, I fucking love Andrea Rem now. So seeing him do get back into shape, where he did one ninety two twenty one. He did two twenty five as well, but he got called for a press out. But it was yeah. So oh, actually, that's very interesting this year. I don't know if you, you didn't watch a lot of Europeans, but no, no, I didn't. They were, I think, at least five or six different times people were called for oscillating the mar, which I have never, really? ever, 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 ever seen before. Um, some of them are actually very harsh. And there's a rule change now that it, it's you have to stop moving, not but the barbell. Yeah, that that was a few years ago that came in. Yeah. That you had to stop moving and the bar didn't have to stop. But they never enforced either of those rules, but now no. they seem to be... So if you look at Tian Tao's jerks, he does a little dip with his knees beforehand and he's always gotten away with it. Uh, it's bad it's a little bit bullshitty because it's very obvious. Yeah. It's not a subtle thing. And Rastami does that fucking <gasps> big breath thing yeah. where he throws up his elbows and the bar goes. So I think like it's just there's so much variation with the judging. What is the need? The need for those rules to me no. is not something that I... We, like, we had problems with that here last year with um, with Freya. Yeah. Because she takes a big breath before she jerks mm-hmm. um, and wasn't taking too much of a gap in between her clean and jerk. And, and we had the situation where we had referees sitting... Referees who knew about the rule change and referees who didn't know about the rule change. Yeah. And then comments being made to her in light of her being given successful lifts... Yeah. Um, saying that she shouldn't have gotten it. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's it's very strange, and I, I wonder how going forward they're going to police that when the bar is still allowed to be moving, but the just chest isn't. And like what's 
what's deliberate oscillation and what's taking a big breath yeah and honestly it's a fucking stupid rule yeah the presso rule is retarded sorry for the word retarded but it is the um i understand the like and the elbow touch <coughs> it's yeah. also stupid like, they don't help you lift more I kind of understand the press that rule, right? Because what people say is that's for the aesthetics of the sport. Yes. They want everything to look nice. And, and I can understand the elbow rule because that's for the safety of the sport. But lifters aren't going to start jamming their elbows under a clean. No. If they do, it'll be the one and only time they'll ever do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like lifters aren't going to be able to... Like rebranding is not something you can practice to lift more. No, and like when you see... Like you saw it at CrossFit Games when they do max jerk from the rack. Mm-hmm. And you see guys like Matt Fraser and stuff who purposely do dip, drive, dip, drive and go. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't think they're getting significant amounts from it. I think... As a technique, makes, if you practice it, yeah. I think it could make you, under fatigue, lift a small bit more weight. I th- yeah, I was going to say, I think it makes a hard lift a bit easier. Yeah. But I don't think, if it makes sense... You're going to be able to jerk something that you weren't going to be able to jerk. No. You're, it's definitely within your capability to make that particular lift. Yeah. But at particular moments in time, it might be easier to oscillate the lift and make it. Yeah. Like, like, I don't see the issue with that. You're still lifting it by yourself. It's not yeah. like you're getting a forklift to come in and lift the bar for you. But I wonder if Tantel will be called on it now for the double dip. Probably not at the Asian Championships. No. Um. Yeah, weight lifting's in a funny spot now, I think, at the moment. It's just, uh, so that was your favourite lift, the 225 press out? I think, yeah, I think I think Andre Ram now is, is he's a, a hero. Yeah. He's a phenomenal weight lifter. Yeah. Um, it'd be great to see what he could do. I think for me, the Romanian female, the 63, Loredina. Loredina, yeah, whatever. Uh, Toma, that 114. 114 snatch miss. Yeah, it was very good. Just a tiny bit too far out in front. Hmm. Phenomenal. I get it this year. Like yeah. The world or something. And she's been prolific, like. Yeah. Um, she's been for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. I think so. That's the end of the fourth podcast. How long was that? Uh, an hour and 15. Just a lot of rambling from us, I suppose. Yeah. And like, as we said, guys, these are our opinions. Heavily our opinions, yeah. And like, we're not. And it's our medium, so that's what we're trying to do, is just really talk about kind of... Yeah, we're representing ourselves and we're representing our company. And, and like, if you have issues with it, just give us a shout or, or direct message us on Instagram. Um, we're happy to talk about it. Definitely. And if you have questions or if you want, like, we've all our spreadsheets done up just in the research for this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want those spreadsheets, it's just kind of a comparison between... 2016, 2018, 2019, um, and some of the stuff from Asians. If you want those, let us know and we'll send them on. And again, it's it's not accusations is what we're making. No. We're just... Because we don't care. We, that's, the, that's the thing. We really don't care. If I, in all honesty, we preferred the way it was a few years ago. Yeah. I'm just going to say that honestly. I preferred watching weightlifting then. I don't... like. We're not accusing anyone. Most of these lifters that we talked about already tested positive at some point in their career. It's like a rite of passage almost at some times. Yeah. So I just I want to re- reiterate that it's we're not accusing any of these particular lifters of anything. We're no, not, no, no, no. We're like the moral ambiguity of all this is um is not something we're debating here. We're yeah. just looking at the facts of what's happening and our opinion 
of what's most likely happening, which we're deducing from the evidence. From and the numbers. From the numbers, from our personal experience. From also, if you're looking at weightlifting numbers, don't take them off Wikipedia. Yeah. Because a lot of the time they can't even add the snatch and the clean and jerk to get the right number for the total. Yeah, just, but then it seems like <laughs> the IWF is deleted. Go get your data somewhere else. But, um, I, I suppose before we finish, I don't know what I hope will happen to weightlifting. At the moment, it's been guaranteed, bar a few more stipulations, I think, that it will be in 2024 in Paris, isn't it? Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't want to see weightlifting leave the Olympics. No. But I would say in my personal opinion, I have no interest. Like, watching, the, I think it was the world last year that I was like, oh, this is pretty boring. Like, some of the lifts were just not that. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's hard to go back, like, it's hard to go back to... It's once you've seen behind the curtain. It's hard to go down in numbers, too, you know? Yeah. So I I don't know what I hope will happen. I don't know, and I have literally no idea what's going to happen. Um, I think if you drew parallels between what happened in cycling mm-hmm. in the late nineties and what what's happening in weightlifting now, yeah, I think what could conceivably happen is we'll have this kind of another dawn or another false dawn, and and everything will be fixed in inverted commas, and then we'll go back to hitting bigger numbers again. Do you think so? I think more than likely that's what will happen. You think it'll creep back in? I think that's just the way sport is, you know. Um, testers and and cheating athletes will just always have this kind of back and forth, and and at the moment we just have testing protocols that are incredibly in depth, um, and we have we have that system of retesting samples from what's now seven years ago. What do you make of the argument that they're not cheaters if everyone's doing it? Oh yeah, well, like, what do you think of that? That's the thing, and that's real like, moral there, now, yeah, that's real philosophy. That's the, the like the Armstrong dilemma, you know, that Armstrong didn't cheat because everybody else was doing it too. I think if it, yeah. if if it, they, and they are doing it, we know for a fact in cycling. Um, yeah, I if think we're at. You're not a cheater, in my no, technically no. on paper. No, sorry, not technically. Literally, you are a cheater. Yes, I look technically. Look, you're if it's against something that's in the rules. Yeah. You're a cheater. You're cheating. It's cheating, yeah. That's the yeah. thing. I suppose you can't get away from that fact. No, no, no. But if, let's say you're running in a race, right? And yeah. You're supposed to be running in a one-legged race. Everyone's yeah. supposed to have one legs. And the test is not a visual test. It, the test for this one-legged, let's say it's... Um, you have to GPS tra- tracker. GPS tracker. That's, that's very good, actually. You're on the ball there. Right, and when you run this race, there's no let's say the officials are there and that, but they only look at the GPS tracker and they're not right. allowed to look at anyone else. They're not allowed to look at people's legs, right? Yeah. And so let's say ninety-five percent of your the people you're running against all plan another leg, right? Right. And you're there and you're like, "Fuck, what am I doing? Do you put on another leg? Are you a cheater if you put on another leg? Let's say every, let's say everybody else is put on a leg and you're the only one. So right. And again, we're only looking at the GPS tracker now as yeah. Wave. If we're only looking at GPS tracker, you put on the second leg you put all the, the time. Leg. But are you still a cheater then? Morally, are you a cheater? I would say morally, you're not a cheater in some ways because. Well, the thing is, right? Are yeah. you are you cheating your opposition? You're not. Yeah. If they're all doing the same thing. Yeah. So in the other ten lads who are in their metaphorical three-legged race, one-legged you're race. not or one-legged race. You're yeah. not cheating those guys. Mm-hmm. But then to a public who are paying to watch you yeah and a public who maybe yeah contribute to the support of you as an athlete if you're a national athlete yeah 
you are you know and it like mm-hmm. it's a disingenuous thing if everybody watching the one-legged race are you doing them like a disservice by let's say but the question is girth do they care do people i do people care do they want to watch one-legged racing or do, do they want care? to watch sprinting do you think people care? no i like see it's hard for me to know because i don't care yeah i want to see someone run the 100 meters in five seconds or something i want to see like i want to marvel at the the limits of human potential yeah i don't want to see other people who are just a bit better than me get injured and then come yeah because yeah, like, yeah. they can't handle the training loads yeah i don't want to see that no no and it's uh, it like, comes down to your perception right yeah because like we have one view because we live here and we mm-hmm. you would but the thing is like our view would we should come from a place like there are cheaters because we're not coming from a country who's like we know for a fact yeah. there's no culture of dopey in Ireland no 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 bar with rugby but we won't get into that because we'll probably get murdered the second most tested sport in the country now yeah but we also just uh, discussed earlier that it's, a IQ, that it's an IQ test yeah yeah, so yeah. Forget about that. We won't get into that. But we come from a culture where we should be like they're fucking cheaters, you know. Yeah, but it's not the way it went, you know. No, like, I don't know. Is it that Irish mentality of loving the underdog? Are you an underdog though if you're cheating though? <laughs> <laughs> you're an underdog if you live in Shitsville, Ohio. Like that's the thing. Like, and I suppose I can feel for those athletes because they're like, let's say you're you're in uh, China, right? Yeah, you're. Well, I suppose China is probably a bad example now, right? But because they're a highly middle income economy. But previously, let's say you're a Chinese athlete 15 years ago. Yeah. Like Lou would have been, and he would have been come from, he came, I know for a fact he came from a farming background. Yeah, yeah. Before. And like, do you, do you go training? And you're like, no, I can't take these drugs, so I can't do it. Cause it's, and then let your family back home. What's what's the moral yeah. waste in of you cheating? Do you think your family care if you, like? That's the thing, like, do you, do you have a moral... Um, obligation then to support your family by taking the drugs because yeah, you know yeah, for yeah. a fact that this will improve their lives and you know but then you have on the other hand then who are you cheating out of supporting your own family by winning medals yeah but then but Garf, like, yeah. I think for a lot of them it's not a moral dilemma because it's not a thing they had a choice with yeah it's probably not a choice no, yeah. but we know for <laughs> a fact know? We've known, we know some managers who have told us that yeah, you get the, off the team if you're not if you don't take drugs you get off yeah, the team yeah and they're a training camp and it's the same way you don't say oh no I'm not going to do the squat you know yeah. you, you take your vitamins and you do your squats and th- and that's what happens like you know um like funny gabriel was saying that when he was younger when they're training and they're like 10 or 11 or something or very young teenagers they were like if you're um if you're injured it's just so many like a lot of times lifters would be like with fake an injury so after a while it was kind of like you couldn't believe anyone so no he said, he said you literally had to get to the point where you were crying before yeah or couldn't walk yeah, literally, you had to be crying before the coach would be like, just stop training. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder, like, how many lifters does that break then? Well, we, we know what the kind of the figures from the Bulgarian system were and how many people just got spat out, you know, Yeah. for those, the top. Figuratively and literally from Satchus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey! hey. <laughs> On um, that note, yeah. we need to finish up and get some food. Um, I suppose we're going to probably release this before the Squat University because we want to put the Squat University podcast, Aaron's podcast, on all platforms. So we might yeah. just show this up in SoundCloud there this evening and let people listen away. While it's still relevant, I suppose. Perfect. And let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely let us know what you think of it. And um, I suppose, in closing again, 
for the 15th time. In it's closing. Our opinion. Europeans was not as good as Asians. Yeah. Um, and I suppose we just want to make it clear that we're not... At any, we, we love all of these athletes. We love watching them, dopers and non-dopers. Um, we just want to see people lift big weights. Yeah, definitely. And we want to see weightlifting continue. And guys, if you have things that you want to think... Or want to hear us discuss or think we should be discussing or think keep it yourselves <laughs> just shoot us a message shoot us an email don't ask um, us about knee pain because you're not going to listen and don't fucking ask us about knee pain if you're doing small up please yeah. don't ask us for our opinion on things and then not listen to our opinions don't live in an echo chamber <laughs> but by god if you have any other questions do ask us yeah so at seek strength on instagram we have programs for if you're if you need strength training we are the place to go yeah so if it's anywhere a, from if you're an independent athlete by yourself we yeah. will do our best to support you as well if you if you need to modify stuff for you we'll do our best to do it yeah if you're a weightlifter if you're a powerlifter if you're if a you're boxer box we have a boxer in new jersey if you're a pro like fucking downhill uphill skier yeah like we also have crossfit strength a kind of new thing that's going to start coming online now and that's for uh field-based team sports mm-hmm. um rugby teams ga teams soccer teams mm-hmm. anything along those lines and it's club club like uh, actual club. club programming so this will be yeah. programming your sprint training your agility training strength training, the gym. Uh, strength training in the gym yeah like we can't emphasize if you're so i'll give you i suppose before we seem to around this topic now when i was younger i would have been playing uh gaelic football in ireland and if you don't know what that is just give it a quick youtube but i would have been doing um I would have started lifting like lifting weights when I was like 16 I suppose on a previous podcast but I remember while I was still playing the field sports that like I, I, I was very lucky I, that I my brother point, who used to do strongman uh, himself pointed me in the right direction of someone called Ross Enemite he's actually Katie Taylor's coach at the moment oh yeah 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 so Ro- I got Ross's book um, Infinite Intensity it was called imagine I read a book about learning about training like uh, who does that anymore now like, Jesus Christ girl, you're um, a dinosaur so it was a paperback book and I was like a bible to me but yeah. very luckily it was stuff like um, sledgehammer shit um, pull ups double yeah. rows dumbbell snatches kettlebell snatches you know that shit burpees really simple burpees weren't that big a deal but weren't that popular back then either weren't popular with me either when I was doing them yeah and I remember after like say 8 to 10 months of doing that and I remember jumping up in the air to get a ball and someone shouldered me as I was in the air and it didn't knock flies off me and I remember being like holy fuck like yeah it's the first time I've kind of like positively influenced my body in a way like that. And it's just until you see the change in yourself, if you're a field athlete of a really good strength it conditioning program. It cannot be described. Can't be described. Like the, this, the, this, the, the difference you'll feel though is like the difference to your game will be, yeah. will be something crazy. And it's, it's, a completely, mm-hmm. it's a completely different enlightening rather than the guy who goes to the gym and kind of gets in better shape and sees the difference and the, the, they're shifting a bit more weight on the weight stack. But this is this, this is it's because we know that like if you're playing on the field that this is something you fucking love like yeah. so if you feel a profound difference like it has to be done guys like yeah you can't this day and age you can't be playing a field sport yeah without but even, kind of not actively even field sports um, MMA athletes boxers yeah. if if you do anything that involves moving outside a two foot area yeah you have to be doing some kind of strength conditioning and we'll actually now that I think about it we'll definitely do a podcast it'll be more of a I suppose an informative podcast about we might do an Instagram TV video actually maybe on it 
of how to structure your training. So like one of the things as well we did with we have our missions with not missions with Seek Strength, one of our I suppose priorities or our mandates in our constitution. <laughs> Chucky girl out. But um is that we want to just help people as much like we always encourage people to message us and ask us questions and we'll get back to you eventually. But we're trying to teach you how to do things yourself. Yeah. So it's not always about buying our programs. You don't have to buy our programs. No, our programs no, are no. great. They're great programs. Yeah. They're people are doing great in but them. We'll give you a lot of information. Yeah. We want you to give you information because we understand ourselves like that I don't know I know people talk about this a lot that the fitness industry is um is shit and they're like, Oh, it's terrible, you can't give you information. This will be the change you want to see in the world. So we're just yeah. trying our best to we'll definitely do an in depth um podcast on if you're any kind of non strength sport athlete. So if you're not a powerlifter, a weightlifter, crossfit or or um that's it, strongman. Yeah. It'll just how to structure training, what kind of things you need to do, what you need to do in the off season, and uh, what you need to do when you're on season, which what is actually very important. If I've yeah. forgotten, probably more important than what you do in the off season. Definitely, because you yeah. can more you can end up doing more damage by going to the gym sometimes in the yeah. on season, but you can also end up like crumbling away if you don't keep it up. Might do that soon enough. We'll try make that a bit more structured. Yeah, and then we won't ramble as much. Perfect. Yeah. So that's taking strength. Um, seekestrength.com coming to you soon hope you enjoyed it please let us know if you enjoyed it do um, I know a lot of people have said or if you know. didn't enjoy it yeah keep that to yourself actually I don't <laughs> want to hear your negative talk <laughs> give that to us privately yeah so that I know a lot of people have mentioned and um, we will I promise you be coming so the reason we're just going to throw this up on SoundCloud now but everything else will be coming to other platforms yeah. iTunes, Spotify we're getting on that we're getting on it we're waiting for the registration to come back if you're wondering okay thanks guys bye